Eagles open their away in the Golden Slipper. There's a great start. And Mick Vitmarskay on the extreme outside is about the first out. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front. Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This I podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The English Millennium has been run only twice so far and has produced a surprise result on both occasions. The inaugural edition in 2019 saw Castel Vecchio storm home from last to beat Accession and Dawn Passage at odds of $21. He looked an emerging top liner and so it proved when he went on to win the Champagne Stakes, the Rosehill Guineas and run second in the Cox Plate. Last year the rains came to Warwick Farm and the $2 million millennium had to be switched to the following Wednesday. After consultation with participants, the race was reduced in distance to 1,100 metres and on a heavy nine track, it was another surprise result. Prime star ridden by Tom Marquand for the Friedman brothers was too strong for Bella Nipotina and Larimer Street at odds of $18. This time around, the important two-year-old race has been switched to Randwick, greatly enhancing the spectacle of a race which will become a carnival feature in the years ahead. The English Classic Sale commences at Riverside the following morning at 10, and you can bet many buyers will already have next year's millennium in their sights. The English Millennium, Saturday, February the 6th, one of many highlights of the 2020 Sydney Autumn Carnival. Helen Page gained her trainer's licence in 1982, six years after Betty Lane became the first female to be licensed by the AJC committee. Interestingly enough, both Helen and Betty had gained all of their early experience in the show ring, where they sometimes rode former racehorses. Helen spent her childhood on the family farm at Warrialda, where riding was a way of life. She was competing at the Sydney Royal by age eight, and through the teen years, represented her state and her country at the top level in several disciplines. In the early 1970s, she married veterinarian John Crowley and made the move to Sydney, where she supplemented her income as an infant school teacher by writing work for T.J. Smith. In her two years at Tullock Lodge, Helen's love for the thoroughbred escalated and nobody was surprised in 1982 when she gained her trainer's licence under the name of Helen Crowley. To win her first race, she put one of her show horses, Paris Royal, into training and not long after won a three-year-old maiden at Wyong with the gelding. The winners flowed, more horses came into the stable and it wasn't long before she was being hailed as a pretty serious horse trainer. In 1997, she made the move from Warwick Farm to the Gold Coast with her second husband, John Page. With the support of some loyal Queensland owners, this lady has won three Gold Coast premierships in the last 10 years. Helen's love affair with horses began the moment she first rubbed leather dressing into a saddle. And Helen Page, I am not exaggerating. (laughs) Thank you, John. That was very nice. That's pretty right, isn't it? It's correct. Everything's correct. 
Yeah. Well, I'm tickled pink to catch up with you on the podcast for a long overdue chat. It was a big decision, wasn't it, to pull up stakes and move to the Gold Coast in 1997. I think it was a result of medical advice that John's health would benefit by a move to a warmer climate. Is that how it happened? That's exactly right, um, John. Um, yes, John had been very sick and uh, the medical advice was not to spend another winter in Sydney. And I thought, well, that's pretty hard. Mm. <laughs> but we do. We have to do something. So we put the property on the market and left and uh, started our new venture up here. Um, John always wanted to come to the Gold Coast, so um, it was pretty easy, the decision where to go. Mm. And uh, we've just loved it ever since. And his health has, you know, has, it improved and um, he's still with us today. He's 90 years of age yeah. and um, going strong. He'd actually turned 90, has he, Helen? No, no, he turns 90 uh, in March. Sorry. Yeah. 89, nearly 90. Well, that original uh, diagnosis by the doctors was spot on, wasn't it? Spot on, and he did us a favour. <laughs> yeah. Well, you took 14 horses with you when you made the move to Queensland. Most yeah. of them were pretty mediocre performers, but you Very. were able to win a few races quickly. That was the secret, to strike while the iron was hot, and local owners responded pretty quickly and pretty generously. That's exactly right. I had a one good horse, Celestial Choir, and um, you might remember he ran in the Stradbroke. And um, Corey Corey Brown was an apprentice at the time, mm -hmm. and um, we won the lead up race to get into the, um, I think, into the uh, Stradbroke, and mm -hmm. um, without a penalty. And um, he rode him in that lightweight. It was it was a it was a good time to have, you know, a good horse with us, and um, it helped gain new horses, as you said. Mm. You tell me that some of those owners, people like Mike Dunn, always had three or four horses in the stable. I think you lost Mike. Yes, sadly, we lost Mike last year and, you know, he was a, a wonderful client to me and um, just a person that walked in, uh, started off with a share in a horse and then and then he ended up buying some himself, just little cheap ones at the sales, little falbalons and for ten thousand dollars, and they were great horse, great horses. They were money spinners. They were, they gave him a quick return, and the family a quick interest rather mm. than waiting for stayers, you know. Mm. And um, he ended up having three or four at work at one time, and that really um, helped me. It was great. We had fun, and sadly, we lost Mike, and um, we lost the horses. So we're, we're really mm. missing that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Other elderly owners have also passed on, sadly, and the Gold Coast is quite different now, Helen. It's headquarters to some very big stables. Things have changed a lot. Now, you're okay. currently yes. working 10 horses with yes. three Magic Millions acquisitions to join the team once they're broken in, all fillies, one by Spirit <laughs> of Boom, one by Russian Revolution and one by a new Coolmore stallion, called Caravaggio. Now, are those yearlings for new owners or old ones? Old owners. Mm. One's, one's for a, a lady from overseas, international owner. So I'm fortunate to have people like that. She's been with me for quite a few years and just flies out once or twice a year. Mm. Um, and um, the others are for 
established clients that have been with me and, um, you know, uh, Frank yeah. and Christine Cook, they've, yeah. they've been absolutely amazing for oh, me. Oh, they're wonderful, wonderful yeah. people. They're stickers, yeah. Helen, the stickers, which is an old-fashioned yeah. racing term, stickers. That's right. Well, I was one of them, the ones that put them on the track for racing with the winning of the Golden Rose with Doonan and mm. um, Million Dollar Race back in 2004. And mm. that was the start of a big association um, with, for them with Hugh Bowman. And, you know, the story grows from there. Yeah, <laughs> it's real I'll good. Say. Yeah. Yeah. You've trained two good horses on the Gold Coast. You've mentioned one already Doonan and Rudy. Now, let's look at Rudy. He was by a colonial horse called Red Dazzler, who had won a Group 1, by the way, the two-rack handicap, but he wasn't hot property as a stallion. Where did you get Rudy? Um, Rudy is owned by Queensland people, Mm. a family, and um, they bred him themselves and they just sort of rang up and asked if I'd like to train him. Um, he came to – I said, yes, we'd, I'd like him to be broken in at Kalora Lodge. He went to Kalora Lodge mm. and um, then came to me and um, the rest is history. He won He won as a two-year-old right every year right through to his seven years of age and yeah. he was a, a fantastic horse. Yeah, uh, for I'll say yeah. he was. He had a total of 55 starts. He won nine, 14 yeah. placings, well over a million dollars. And the yep. nicest part of all, Helen, you told me on the phone, he retired sound. That's exactly right. He retired sound and um, he could have pressed on and kept competing, but um, the owners decided to know that was it. He's given them a good time and uh, let's look mm. after him. Well, he, he's spending his days at Kalora Lodge mm. um, in their, um, their legends paddock. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's fault rotten. Yeah, that's lovely. He won a recognition stakes. That's a listed race. He won a Group 2 Villiers in Sydney, which you'd won previously with Spot the Rock, and he also won a Group 3, the Tattersall's Cup in Brisbane, and Helene's record with an ounce of luck could have been so much better. Let me remind you, he ran third in a Doomban Cup. He was placed in two Group 2s, three Group 3s, and he ran fourth to Kermadec in a Doncaster. What a lovely yes. old horse. Yes, and, you know, I was never nervous when he was racing and um, it's very rare that you get a horse that uh, you can say that about. And um, he he was just a pleasure to take to the races because you knew he'd, he'd be there amongst them <laughs> most times anyway. Mm. Yeah, given ordinary luck and barring accidents, you yes. knew at some stage he was going to loom up. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had a couple of bad rides, which everyone, every horse gets, but, you know, when he was ridden in those positions, you think, oh, maybe he'll still hang on. Mm. <laughs> but he didn't. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to embarrass you uh, by asking you to name the jockeys involved. We'll we'll move right uh, along. Yeah. <laughs> now, Helen Doonan was part-owned, as you mentioned, by Frank and Christine Cook, who've raced a huge number of horses and continue to do so. Doonan won four for you, nine placings, 772000 in prize money. Mm. He won at Eagle Farm, he won at Doombin, he won at Ipswich, and at his only trip to New South Wales, you snared the Golden Rose, which is now 
a much-hyped Group 1. Sadly, it wasn't in your day. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we purchased him for $30,000 at the Magic Millions, mm. and um, he wasn't a big horse, uh, but he took my eye, and um, Frank just said, yes, I'll buy it. So he did, and um, the rest is history. We had He had some other people in the horse, um, that have remained clients with me, mm. and um, Bill Kennedy and his wife. Yeah, and uh, they've, they've, Bill is still in horses today with me, and he's ninety-one, I think. Goodness me! Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, Doonan was unplaced, but close up. You stayed in New South Wales for a while. He ran in the Newcastle Spring Stakes and finished uh, out of a place, but not too far away. And then he failed to get the 2,000 metres in the spring champion stakes. And I noticed in looking up his record, you never ran him beyond a mile again. No, I think we made a big mistake. We we were sort of probably lured by the prize money to try Mm. those races and his pedigree suggested he might get the distance, but um, it was more of a a bit of a fizzy sprinting type. So. Yeah, he was better restricted. I love the story of your early life, which was dominated by horses. Your mum, Rosalie, and your dad, Bob, both rode, as did your brother, and you were involved in every activity on horseback you can think of, including polo cross. Yep, that's right. We travelled miles from the, our, um, the farm that we were reared on, Uh, because there were no close towns and that was our way of mixing with people and mum and dad were uh, always keen to to, um, take us to a sports day where there was um, clay pigeon shooting and things going on in the background and then there'd be horse events like walk, trot and canter and Mm. all these funny events, but that's the way we started. Yeah. Mm. Your actual education started at a tiny one-teacher school which was eventually closed down by the education department, and your yep. lessons then continued by correspondence at home with mum supervising. I think your mother had been a teacher at some stage. Yes, mum had been a teacher. She she uh, was able to continue on teaching us. Um, uh, school by correspondence uh, from Blackfriars in Newtown in Sydney. They'd send us packages of work to do. Mm. Uh, mine wasn't so complicated because I was younger, but my brother had um, a bit more serious work. And um, I remember Mum used to get the stock whip out on Thursdays for <laughs> for him uh, for certain subjects. She said, oh. Come on, we have to finish this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit of fun. He wasn't as keen as you. No, well, you know, uh, it's a bit boring when it comes to some of those things. So, uh, but. He 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 liked to get it all done in a few days, and then he could keep working with Dad on the farm, or riding, yeah, or doing other things. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a pity every kid can't have a taste of life on the farm. I'll bet you and your brother were never bored one day of your young life. Every day is a new adventure. You're right. Um, we were so lucky. Always something to do, and we were, we'd muster cattle with the stockmen, 
there was always we used to go out in the back paddocks and chase kangaroos and pigs, wild pigs with our horses, or think we were, mm. and uh, having fun, you know, all the time. We're always busy. We're doing something. Yeah, it was great. Here's my favourite story about your childhood. Mm-hmm. One Christmas day you woke up to find someone had left you a note which was attached to a very long piece of string and that note told you to follow the string. What happened? That's right. The note said, um, follow this, happy Christmas, follow this string, love Santa. Mm. So uh, it was baler twine. I was sleeping on the veranda, actually, it was so hot, and on a shearer's bed, you know, stretcher, and uh, with a mosquito net over it because we're in the bush, Mm. and – ran off after the string, you know, followed the string. My brother had one too. Mm. And uh, we went. it went right up into the back of the – around the back of the house and behind the chook pen and went for ages and then finally back around to the front of the so, other side of the house where there was a horse uh, – two horses in the sheepyards. And uh, mine was a – they weren't purchased from great studs or anything. They were just from a drover, I think, Dad. Mm found a couple of nice horses. I don't know how he hid them from us until then. Yeah. And uh, mine was a little chestnut called Glow Girl, and, um, or mm. we named it Glow Girl, and she ended up a, one of New South Wales' best horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So she was the first really important horse uh, in your life? Uh, yes, she was. She was. She was. She was the start of it. One of them, and then um, another very good little horse um, called Tibby, that um, we uh, borrowed from our cousins. It was just in a paddock, and it turned out that um, George Capel's father owned it. Do you remember George Capel? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, from the AJC. Well, his mm. father had owned it, but um, anyway, they gave it to me, to, and I got it going, and, and that's the one I ended up show jumping at Sydney at the age of eight. Oh, she was a tiny little pony and she was great, yeah. yeah. You mm. tell me your dad took a big interest in the local pony club and on one occasion he put a few noses out of joint when he imported a highly qualified instructor. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, we um, we were going to pony club every year but probably not improving and um, just getting, you know, instruction from everyone, which was marvellous. They get, gave their time up for free. Uh, to help improve us all, but uh, we were all just staying at a level, and he could see that. And um, he got on to Carl Jernak, who was a fantastic instructor and had been a wonderful rider from overseas. He was living in Sydney and instructing, and uh, but, of course, you had to pay for him to come. Mm. And uh, Pony Club movement where we were, the club we were at, uh, frowned upon that because he said he should teach every child, not just the elite. Oh. And... Um, yeah, so it didn't sort of really fit in there. So uh, what we did, um, Dad and a few of the other people, Walker family and the Donaldson family, a few of the others all formed another pony club mm. out on a property called Carbines at Kulatai. Mm. And um, it started from there. So we used to have – it was sort of like our, our, our pony clubs were pony club but or like a riding clinic and mm. – um, we're all improving, and that's where we really advanced and and uh, moved on. So yes. Dad was right. Dad was right. <laughs> Dad was right, and all the other families could see it. And Dad used to buy books and um, 
for us. I don't know where how we got them, but in those days, but uh, we have these wonderful books of all the famous riders overseas, you know, riding mm. and show jumping and that we used to look at. Mm. What a and, great uh, childhood, eh? Yeah, he was great. Dad was innovative. He um he used to get photos of Bud Heim show jumping. You remember Bud Heim, Bridget mm. Heim? I know the and, name, yeah. Yeah, and get them out and show me and put them in in, in sync. He'd get them in stages and just show me her over a fence and show mm. my brothers and all. Mm. You know, he was very clever at trying to pass on knowledge to people. Mm. Mm. You went to Teachers College at Armadale and you became an infant school teacher in your local region and yep. at one stage you were on call for what they called district relief work and you yep. got to teach some wonderful country kids at some remote little schools. That's right. I was at Gunnedah, first of all, as a fully-fledged teacher um, in a, in a two-teacher school, Carol. Uh, that was great. And then because of my commitment to writing for Australia, the Department of Education said, well, we'll put you on district relief. That means the class won't miss you. You won't be missing a, upsetting a grade or class when you're away mm. travelling. So district relief, it meant I was on every day and uh, they would choose where I was to go. Mm. And I found the country area was just fantastic. There were some fabulous schools, one-teacher schools at Mullally and Kaluas and lots of little areas around mm. Gunnedah, and um, that, I did enjoy it. Mm. Following your marriage to John Crowley, you moved to Sydney where mm. John went off to university to study veterinary science and you continued teaching and yep. supplemented your income by writing work for Tommy Smith, where you tell me you were just one of a number. He had a hell of a lot of horses and a oh. hell of a lot of people. Did he ever know your name? Uh, probably not. Um, I was just one of many and I would arrive there in the morning and I was lucky that um, Bobby Thompson was his foreman at the time and um he was very good to me. He'd say, right, you're riding numbers 21 and leading 96 and 104. Good heavens. So that's all we I knew. They were numbers. Mm. So I'd, they'd get, you know, everyone was getting on horses and riding out and leading horses to the track and uh, often you'd lead one or you'd lead two. Mm. Uh, Bobby used to put an apprentice usually on either side of me or one side of me and just say, tell him some things as you go. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be a kid that has probably never been on a horse, but they'd walk around you for – we'd walk the horses for an hour under the trees at Randwick yeah. on the track. And um, uh, that was my job to start there. Then we mm. then when take them to the stables, they'd be saddled and uh, up, tightened up and mm. out into the centre to work and um, Tommy just call out, you know, trot that one, do this, do that, and you'd be on and off horses, jockeys hopping on to do their work. Mm. And um, I don't think he really got to know who I was. Mm. At all. Can you remember ever being on a decent horse, a name horse, in that two-year oh, period with Tullock Lodge? Oh, yes. Um, there were quite a few. Um, and the jockeys at the time were mainly like um, Kevin Langby, it's yeah. during that period, mm. and the uh, Lee boys were apprentices. Mm. You, you see those running around. The horses that we, were there, like the performer, um, 
I never got on Gunsend. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember some just off the top of my head at the moment, yeah. but um, there were quite a few. You're you're on really name horses, and mm. um, he, if anything was a bit crotchety, he'd just say to keep trotting, keep trotting, keep trotting. You know, every time you came around, off again, off yeah. again. Yeah. So some horses, uh, I noticed that with a lot that weren't sound, but they mm. raced very well. Mm, they yeah. certainly did. So mm. one ride on Gunsin could have changed the course of your future, Helen. You you would still be dining out on the fact that you rode Gunsin, but you never got the opportunity. Oh, no, that didn't worry me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, you were as keen on show riding as you'd ever been at that time, and a few years down the track, a very special horse came into your life, a thoroughbred whose show name was Moliere. We're not certain if that's the name he raced under, but he did win some races for the legendary Neil Lavis, who trained at Braidwood uh, in the Southern Districts. You saw this horse one day and said to yourself, I've got to have him. That's it. Loved the horse. I thought he had so much presence and quality. And... um, I wouldn't have known about the horse, only that we ran into – we knew Billy Bridges from Sydney. From mm. He lived in Sydney and he sort of said to me, um, you want to have my horse, you want to have a look at it, it's worthwhile. And I, I actually had a look at him and I said, yes, I'll take him. Mm. <laughs> so that's how it all started. Well, yeah. he turned out to be a remarkable animal. He could jump, he could hack, but his absolute yeah. speciality – was dressage, and you and he were poetry in motion together. Yes, he was. Uh, you know, you have to do what you can, the best with what you've got. And at the moment, at that when that horse moved into my life, I thought, well, he's a dressage horse. He's, mm. and um, so I'll have to just try and take him to as far as I can. And um, it suited me at the time because it's very hard when you're time poor to compete. You know, mm. when you're working. Um, in my years of riding competitively, Mm. we had to be um, amateurs to compete for our country. Today it's completely different. Mm. Um, You know, you can be professional, you can be giving riding lessons and be sponsored by people. In my day it was you couldn't do that. Mm. So we had to work to supplement our riding. And uh, that horse was just amazing. He was a great dressage horse and a a hack. He won champion Mm. hack at all the royals I went to Mm. uh, several times. So he was a very good horse. Mm. You got a wonderful surprise one day when a fellow trainer at Warwick Farm, David Campbell, also a noted artist, presented you with an oil painting of yourself and Moliere together on the proviso that it would hang on your lounge room wall. Yes, and the the painting is still hanging there. <laughs> it's hanging on a wall in the, at the Gold Coast. Mm. So it, it was a sad time. The ho- horse had died of um, colic, mm. and um, but the very next day, David came to my door and said, "I'm giving you this put on the proviso you hang it on your wall in mm. the lounge room." So that was really, really something special. Mm. I treasured it. How did he do that, Helen? Did he paint that from a photograph? Um, I'm not sure, but in the background you can see he's just made it up. I think in the background you can see John Crowley Mm, watching and you can see he's just included different things. It might have been from a photograph because I can see Mm. a a certain saddle cloth I had that we we were doing in dressage, yes. Mm. 
Well, mm. I've got a copy of it, uh, Helen, on video. Right. And I'm going to be sure to post it somewhere near the podcast heading when this interview is posted uh, early next week. So look oh. out for it. Okay. Thank you. Now, we better pause for a break uh, okay. on our chat and we'll come right back after this with Helen Page. The catalogue is out for the 2021 English Classic Yearling Sale. In total, 803 yearlings have been catalogued, 620 in the main book, 183 in the highway session. The sale will run from February the 7th to February the 9th at Riverside and will be preceded by the running of the $2 million English Millennium at Randwick on the Saturday. 108 stallions will be represented at the classic sale, including 22 first season sires. 87% of the yearlings are Bob's eligible, while there are yearlings catalogued eligible for Vobus QTIS, West Speed, and also the South Australian Breeders and Owners Incentive Scheme. Since 2018, Inglis Auctions have produced 53 Group 1 winners. In the last four years, the Classic Sale has produced the winners of a Melbourne Cup, a Golden Slipper, an Everest, a Blue Diamond, a Randwick Guineas, and a Victoria Derby. Grab your copy of a catalogue bursting with quality. The English Classic Sale 2021. I mentioned in the introduction that your first winner was Paris Royal at Wyong in July of 1982. He'd been one of your show horses. You put him into work to win your first race. But only a few weeks later, you won your first metropolitan race with a mare called Altruistic at Canterbury with our good mate Neil Payne in the saddle. I hope he didn't claim all the credit, did he, at the time? <laughs> no, no, he was great help. No, um, no, that, that was a good time. I, looking back on it now, and just see the people that were involved around me. I had very good people, mm. and with Paris Royals win, the jockey was the late Neil Williams. Mm. He was an apprentice at the time. What a jockey he was, you mm. know. Great rider, and, yeah. Yeah, great rider. And um, and then, of course, Neil Payne, he just never seems to age. He's mm. now, you know, with w w or has been working with Gay and for years, but um, mm. he's always full of energy and full of advice, and he was great help that day. Mm. Mm. Tell me about a horse called Hyder Prince, which you got to train as a two-year-old. Tommy Smith had had him earlier, but had absolutely got him out of the place. Tommy sacked him. You soon yeah, found well, out why, didn't you? Yeah, you could see why he wouldn't fit into a big stable because he uh, he was just a, such a difficult horse, a magnificent big grey horse, beautiful mm. horse. But, wow, was he naughty. Mm. And um, he knew it. He uh, he had ability, but it was very hard to get him onto the track and do – he used to lie down when the riders would get on and um, – I managed to uh, – I had wonderful staff working for me. One of them was John McGar, who mm. I don't. I think just recently he may have finished riding as clerk of the course at Randwick, but he was there for years mm. and, um, and a track manager at Warwick Farm for years. But at the time he was a younger boy and he was riding work. Uh, he and his mates would get this horse going and we used to work, get him onto the track with a pony either side. Mm. And, um, and uh, we actually got him – Going so well that he won the Todman Slipper Trial. Yeah, Group Two. And, um, 
yeah, it was my husband's idea to put um, John Miller on from over mm. over Earth. He yeah. said um, he's a jockey that'll suit him because he's um, he the horse won't upset him. He said he's a tough mm. customer. He said he, once the horse goes to do something silly, he'll understand. So mm. okay, yeah. And you ran in the Golden Slipper, Helen. Dr- yes, ran drew in the off Golden the course, Slipper, didn't he? Drew eighteen. I went to the barrier draw, and John mm. Shrek pulled out the, the barrier, and he said, "Barrier one." And then paused and said eight. Oh dear! I, I nearly fainted. I thought it was one, you know. And yeah. then he said eight, and mm. so it was eighteen. I couldn't believe it. Mm. So uh, that was a disaster because in those days the track wasn't cambered like it is today, mm. and the horses from the wide barriers, you know, got right back. And mm. well, we did. we got right back. He ran on okay, but it was mm. all over. Yeah. Having JJ Miller ride your horse in the Golden Slipper has given you a lifetime talking point by the same token. What a remarkable bloke. Yeah, remarkable, yeah. And, you know, I didn't sort of know him, but, of course, my husband did, John, and Mm. John um, uh, said he's the man to suit you, you know, so that's how we went, yeah. Helen, I attended a a Carbine Club luncheon in Perth two years ago and uh, following the luncheon, uh, a little fellow uh, approached me from the wings, introduced yes. himself, and we settled down for a very long chat. And it was JJ Miller, who is now in his late eighties, looks terrific. Oh, fantastic! Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, good to hear. Yeah. A big grey horse by Mighty Avalanche lifted your profile in the late nineteen eighties. You won a swag of races with Spot the Rock. <laughs> including the Villiers, a race you won again years later with Rudy. He was a very, very nice horse, Spot the Rock. He won a lot of races, Helen. He did. Um, he was a magnificent horse, big grey. I'd love to have another one like him. Mm. <laughs> he, he was just magnificent to look at and lovely horse. Um, did every, every – all his work was effortless, you know, like – the jockeys were always sort of chuffed with him whenever they rode him, and he just impressed everyone. Um, uh, one of John's great mates um, owned him and mm. gave him to me to train, and I was just so honoured to have him. Mm. He was fantastic, yeah, fantastic horse. And he carried your well-known stable colours of the dark blue and white harvest red cap. That's it. Fabulous colours. They look, look, look lovely on a grey, don't they? Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I had a look at the replay uh, just the other day of his Villiers win. He was on the fence, snookered, turning for home. Uh, the yes. horse outside him wasn't a big horse and uh, Spot the Rock shoved him out of the way very easily. Yes, and Shane Dye was sick, actually sick that day, but he, he only took the one ride, mm-hmm. came to ride Spot the Rock, so I was very lucky. He thought he was a good thing. You must have. <laughs> yeah. You, you won half a dozen races with a New Zealand bred horse called Matinee Idol in the early 1990s, and one of those wins was the Group 2 Gold Coast Cup, and on that occasion you used a visiting Victorian rider in Stephen King. Yes. Um, I had two horses in the race, and I gave Shane Dyer the choice of the rides because he'd mm. been winning on them in Sydney, mm. and... Um, uh, the track was very wet, as it turned out, mm. and um, Matt Nidal wasn't known, a known wet tracker, mm. but we left him in the race. And um, 
Stephen King didn't have any other rides that day. We, I engaged him. I tried to get a top-class rider away from everyone else up mm. here. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he came up and um, always remember the jockeys hiding the colours from him. Mm. <laughs> and uh, there was always a bit of a, there was a bit of a laughter and joking carrying on. But anyway, he came out to ride him, and he said, um, um, "I'm going to lead on this horse." And uh, so we didn't say anything. We didn't change his plan. <laughs> and um, the horse had never led in his life. Mm. I, thought, I thought, God, what's he doing, this bloke? Anyway, he came out all right. He walked the track and he discovered that nothing had won on the fence and had nothing had been um, been running on the fence mm. and, the, and the fence was still the best part. Mm. All the horses had been going wide. So And not a horse had travelled on the fence. So he came out and went. Close as he could to the fence, all the way, led all the way and won. Mm. So well, it's quite he, he's a professional then, isn't he? Isn't he? He really taught me a lesson. And uh, mm. lucky, we I didn't say anything to him. I just said, good as gold, whatever you want. And mm. um, whereas poor old, my other poor old horse, Magnolia Hall, was back in the field and tr- going mm. 55 wide on the turn because that's what they did at the Gold Coast in those days. They mm. all went really wide and to try and get the better ground. Mm. But they sort of losing ground, you know. Mm. Well, Matinee Idol was owned by Sydney Turf Club director of the time, Evan Sperling, and his wife, Robin, and so was the other one you just mentioned, Magnolia Hall, the horse to give you your supreme thrill in racing. Now, coming into the spring of 1991, you'd already won several races with him, including a summer cup with Craig Carmody on board, and he dead-heated in the P.J. O'Shea Stakes with Brian York. He hated wet tracks, didn't he, Helen? He couldn't go one stride on them. Terrible, yep. Mm. Well, let me remind you now of Magnolia Hall's spring campaign of 1991. He was unplaced in three wait-for-age races before finishing second in the Colin Stephen. Then he ran third in the Metropolitan and then you headed to Melbourne where he finished well back in the Caulfield Cup, but if memory serves me rightly, he got knocked from pillar to post in that Caulfield Cup. Yes, I think Mick Dittman was on him. It wasn't his fault. He got flattened mm. and went back out the back door. Yeah. Yep. He was a horse that had to be ridden on the speed, you know, just off the speed or up on the speed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was my first lesson of uh, Caulfield. Mm. Well, <laughs> he, he must have been a good doer because you yeah. decided to run him in the Dalgetty in yeah. which he was unplaced but not very far away, yeah. and then came the big day. He's 50 to 1 in the Melbourne Cup, Brian York on board, and he runs a cracking third to a great mare, Let's Elope, who on the day was absolutely awesome. That must have been almost as good as a win. It was amazing. I just couldn't believe it um, because, you know, um, there's a lot of interference in the race, and um, I thought I thought we'd run fifth. Uh, horse people jumping all over the place when you come to the finish line there, when you're up mm. in the stand, and um, just such a fantastic run. But then when he'd run third, only beaten the nose for second, uh, it was great. And the first two horses in front of him, the riders were suspended after the race. They'd caused interference. Mm. So um, it was a jolly good effort most rewarding and, uh, you know, we were so excited, yeah. 
It was wonderful. You became the first female trainer to figure in the Melbourne Cup placings. Ten years later, Sheila Laxon won it with Ethereal and 22 years after your big day, Gay Waterhouse won it with Fiorente. Wow, I didn't realise all that, but um, mm. yeah, yeah, it's very hard to get a horse to even nominate for the, to be able to nom- have one to nominate for the Melbourne Cup, you know. Mm. So when you've got one in and you set it for it, that's what we did. We set him for it, and it the, it all worked out. Um, um, John, of course, was my backstop. He kept he kept giving me confidence and mm. telling me he was the horse that could be could run well in the cup. You know, mm. he kept saying that this horse could run really well in the cup. So just mm. keep your head focused on what you're doing. So mm. don't be disappointed. You mentioned another lovely little horse earlier on, Celestial Choir, who came along not long after Magnolia Hall. You won eight races with him, including a Group 2 of the QTC Cup, and he also won a listed race in Sydney at the Civic Handicap at Rose Hill. Wasn't he a great little trier? He was. He was wonderful, and his owners were just wonderful people, and, uh, you know, he gave us so much pleasure. And uh, when the time came for us moving to up here to Queensland, they said, yes, take – we used to call the horse Cece. Take mm. Cece with you. He's part of your family. <laughs> mm. So, And they travelled up, of course, and watched him race all the time. And, yeah, he was a lovely little horse. Mm. Cece, of course, representing yeah. uh, his initials. Yeah, Celestial Choir. Yeah, it was a bit, a bit hard saying the lot. <laughs> you got so, a bit of a name at one stage as a tutor – of apprentice jockeys, and one of them, Johnny Powell, was still going strongly in Singapore late last year before having a major health scare. Can you give us an update on Johnny Powell's condition? Yes, Johnny's fine now. He had a scare there last year, um, but he's he's well, but I think he's returning because of this COVID-19. I think he's returning to Australia, to the Gold Coast, mm. to live. He has a daughter here. and. Um, he uh, he must be pretty well. He was looking for um, stables to purchase here at the Gold Coast just last week. So he's mm. don't think he's going to train or do anything. Just investment. Mm. But, so he, uh, his riding days are over, Helen. Practically, I think. I mm. think. I think he was saying it's very difficult in Singapore now. Mm. Um, the racing's not as um, good as it used to be, and uh, I think his terms were the money's drying up. And um, so I, I'm not sure about his riding, but I think he still could ride if he wanted to. Yeah. He's kept himself very light and trim and fit. He's mm. a very nice young bloke and mm. um, um, very popular, Johnny. He's a great mm. golf, golfer. And Is he? Does yeah. Things. He's a very quiet boy, yeah. Another young jockey who showed tremendous ability while under your care was Shane Edmonds. And for a while there, I can recall many of the leading stables were putting him on. They were falling over themselves when he was claiming. He he was a brilliant rider and um, came to me. He'd never ridden a horse. He'd he'd won buck jumping competitions on calves and things, but very competitive and uh, great brain for riding. Um, Probably a little bit too game at times, and um, but he was amazing. He won the premiership in his first year of riding. He won the Metropolitan Apprentices Premiership um, 
which was very just uh, just amazing to do that. And so, it, but but that was with the support of all the major stables, as you said. Yeah. Oh. And now, Helen, a tribute to your remarkable husband of thirty-four <laughs> years, former top trainer John Page, whose wise counsel has been of great assistance to you many, many times. I know he's 90, but you yes. tell me very little gets past him. He's amazing. Yes, he's he completely changed my life in many ways and um, for the better. And uh, he's a wonderful person. He's a wonderful person to live with. He, we live away from the stables now. In Sydney, we lived at the stables. That was difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's good to be away and uh, just have a life of between the sessions of working. Mm. Um, he doesn't attend the stables now, but he's always advising me. When he comes down, he'll look around and he'll say, oh, everything's nice and neat, but you, you don't clean the cobwebs now? <laughs> he like, <laughs> can be a little caustic, can he? Yeah, he's a perfectionist, you know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's very good, very good. John learned the fundamentals from his grandfather, a great old trainer called Bert Bellingham, and yeah. he gained his own licence in the 1958-59 season. And as a trainer in his own right, he was very astute, he was very patient, and he was very observant, and I'll bet that applies to this day. Still does, my word. Although he'll say to me, you've had those horses in a fair time, fair while, and I'll say, well, you were patient, you were patient. (laughs) Uh, He has, has the knack of... Just bringing out the best in each horse and um, uh, his eye for a horse mm. and their work, watching them work. Mm. He can just start, state something or bring up a comment about a previous horse or, mm. you know, um, he's he's just uh, he's one of a kind. Mm. Very well, different. He trained hundreds of winners in his own right, but he's best yeah. remembered as the man who won three derbies with a great cult called Royal Sovereign. That horse was unsound from the time he had a bad accident in the stable as a two-year-old, and it took a very skilful trainer to get him to win three derbies and to run second in a Caulfield Cup, I might add. Yeah, I know. Amazing. And, um, yeah, he did amazing things with horses, and uh, even the vet's Today, still, John Peterfield worked for Percy Sykes, and he he used to come and come to the stables. But he even today will say, "Johnny, what did you do with some of those horses? You never told me how you fixed some of these things." <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. So they have a bit of a chuckle, a bit of a laugh. Mm. Yeah. Well, Helen, you were one of the pioneers in the ranks of Australia's lady trainers, and you've done a wonderful job over almost four decades in the business. I hope. Retirement is the furthest thing from your mind. Oh my word! I, that's why um, I'm overjoyed when I get new yearlings every year at the uh, yearling sales, and to get three from the the best, the main Magic Million yearling sale this year has just been fantastic. We have more sales during the year, so if I pick up a few more, mm-hmm. so um, while you've got a unraced yearling or two-year-old in the stable, you know, it keeps the spring in the step and mm. uh, keeps you young and that's what uh, um, I achieved, um, my achievement to do and it's my aim, to keep mm. going. But yeah. uh, hopefully with just a few more horses, you've got a few spare boxes. 
yes, I need a few more horses. I'd like a few proven horses would be great. Um, I've moved on some of my older horses that were just got to a level and couldn't improve. Mm. Always looking for city winners, you know, that's the way you have to go. Mm. So to make it uh, attractive for owners. And I'm also uh, would love to have some syndicates to train for. Mm. Um, I've never trained for a big syndicate of, you know, that that seems to be the popular way today. Mm. And um, in my day it was just a one-out owners or two or three in a horse. So... Um, I guess the time to now is to get some syndicates behind me. Helen, it's a long time since we've had a yarn about racing. I think the last time we actually recorded an interview was around 2007. So this has been long overdue. Great to catch up and uh, I've really enjoyed having a chat with you. Well, John, it's a pleasure and thank you so much for contacting me. It's been lovely.